side of the verdant floor of Jackson Hole. All the way up the Wilson Moose Road and across the Sage Flats, he'd been anticipating her reaction to his home. Now, as they reached the edge of a fifty-foot bluff, the scattered buildings of the Snake River Dude Ranch came into view. It is very large, Francesca said. It takes almost as many hands as it does guests to keep things going. At William's direction, Eli and Jacob descended the bluff, a river terrace of the snake. On along the edge of a lower bluff, they pulled into the yard in front of the huge log edifice of the main. William dismounted from the high seat and lifted Francesca down. Her sleek rib cage bore not an extra ounce of flesh, yet well-formed breasts showed beneath the damp bodice of her yellow frock. Standing toe to toe, he confirmed she was an inch or so taller than his five feet ten. Bringing her home was the kind of wild thing Bryce would do. Perhaps that had been what spurred William to action when he saw her on the railroad platform in Salt Lake City this morning. Determined to forge a link between him and the lovely woman who looked lonely and frightened, he'd approached and discovered the conductor had thrown her off the train for lack of funds. What would his folks think of him bringing her to Snake River? William! It wasn't a shriek. Laura Fielding Sutton never shrieked. Mother! His arms around her, he spoke at her ear. You should see Texas, God's country for ranching, only a couple dustings of snow a year. At fifty-one, her green eyes remained brilliant and her sun-streaked brown hair bore only threads of gray. Dressed like a ranch hand in trousers and a blue cotton work shirt, she gave Francesca an expectant look. Who's this? Before he could set straight her obvious impression he'd brought home a bride, the woman by his side straightened to her full height. I am Francesca di Paoli of Toscana, Italia. I am seeking the position of chef for your fine guest ranch. William chuckled. Francesca skewered him with a regal look. I'm sorry. He hastened to get out. From the moment he'd heard her speak, her accented English had charmed, sending the prospect of Prudence Johnson, a local blonde, flying out his head. Mother looked regretful. Jim Lovejoy moved up from slinging hash for the outfit to working the main. Our cook moved to San Francisco in the middle of the season. Must have listened to too many tales of California. William glanced at Francesca, who told him that was her ultimate destination, and went on. Jim's not my idea of a chef. Maybe we should give Francesca a try. He realized he had no idea whether the woman he'd picked up in a depot could cook. As Mother remained steadfast in her support of Jim, Francesca's manner chilled. I thank you, William, for bringing me. A frown furrowed Mother's brow, and she studied the willowy young woman. Don't think of leaving us. Even if we have a cook, you must stay until you find work. What kind of work? asked a familiar deep voice. William's father, six foot four, broad of shoulder where his son was average, with a fine thick head of hair turning gracefully to silver, grabbed him into a hug. Glad you're back, son. 
We've needed you around the place. In his father's embrace, William detected a trembling, almost a palsy, in the man he thought was invincible. That is, until the letter Mother sent to Texas mentioned father's failing strength. If not for the missive, William would be spending the summer working on the ranch near San Antonio, where people treated him as an independent man rather than the owner's son. Father's deep blue eyes, set in a sun-bronzed face, fixed on Francesca with the same familial interest Mother had shown. William remembered his manners. Francesca Di Paoli, a cook, uh, chef. Father studied her. How long have you been in America? Since the spring of 24, she said in precise English. Before the Immigration Act made it difficult to come, I cooked for a wealthy family, the Coldwells, in New York City for all...